Brandon Ingram went through another five-on-five practice and said his plan is to play during the Pelicans' three-game homestand this week. We can all celebrate a little bit. So when will we see him back on the court and what might things look like? Plus, what are some smaller trades the Pelicans could make to shore up their roster? Let's cover it all in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go! You are Locked On Pelicans. Your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans at NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Tuesday, a game day, the start of a back-to-back for the New Orleans Pelicans. Will we see Brandon Ingram in this one? I'll answer that question and talk a little bit more about what his return to action will look like in today's show. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down every single thing you want to know about the team. The BI news, the play on the court and what's going on leading to a four-game losing streak right now. And then in the second and third segments of today's show, trade targets. The trade deadline is 16 days away. We are real close. What might the Pelicans do? I got some more names for you to keep an eye on. And today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. So let's get into the big news of the day. The, The news we've been waiting to hear. Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram saying he went through his second practice. That's the second five-on-five. Clearly his foot, his toe, not hurting enough to keep him out of that. That's a huge sign. As he said during his media availability after this, when he spoke to everybody and said, you know, the plan is to play this week. It's going to depend on how the toe feels a little bit and if it's completely, not completely pain-free, but if it's more just tolerable. Very clearly, something was still wrong with the toe injury that he had had, and it's kept him out for a while, but it sounds like things are in a much better spot, and he wants to be out there on the court, and if he can deal with the pain, the pain tolerance, you know, if that's enough, he's going to play. And with two back-to-backs for New Orleans coming up, you have the Nuggets in Minnesota Tuesday and Wednesday, then the Wizards and Bucks on Saturday and Sunday, it gives them an opportunity to really play him or use him strategically. So he is officially listed as doubtful for tonight's game against the Denver Nuggets. And I don't think he's going to play. I'll be honest. I don't think he's going to play. I think he'll go through shoot around. He might give it a go, but I think they're going to hold him out a little bit longer, let him get his legs under him, and then play him on the second night, the second game of the back-to-back. When you look at guys only playing one game in a back-to-back, and I'm certain New Orleans probably doesn't want to put him through two NBA games back-to-back, you know, where he's probably going to be pushing off the toe, running more, his conditioning isn't there, and he even kind of said that as much, and we'll get to that in a sec. You know, you don't want to put him through two of those and see if maybe the exhaustion or whatever, you know, the toe doesn't hold up and it needs a little bit more of a rest in between things, more recovery. You don't want to risk it. So if you're only playing him on one, the general thinking across the NBA is to play your guys in the easier game. If you have like a gimme and a tough game, 
You don't not play them in the gimme game and then play them in the tough game. You always play them in the one that you think you have the better chance of winning. When you're looking at this set against the first place Denver Nuggets with the front runner by far for the MVP slot, and then you have the Minnesota Timberwolves who are not bad, but not good. One of those is far more winnable than the other, and that is going to be the Timberwolves game. And so because of that, I would not be shocked if they hold Brandon Ingram out of this game against the Nuggets and decide to play him on Wednesday against the Timberwolves. And then they have a day off on Thursday. They're going to practice again Friday. And then they have a home game on Saturday, day of Chewbacca's, by the way. And I expect to see him play then on Saturday as well and not see him the next night on Sunday against the Milwaukee Bucks. Again, one of those games is not like the other. You have an easy game, then a hard game here. And so I think you're going to play him in the easy game. Make sure you get those wins. You know, if you play him against the Denver Nuggets and you don't win and he's not ready to go the next night and you lose that one too, well, you just went 0-2 versus giving yourself a better chance at 1-1. Same for the Wizards and the Bucks stretch. Play him on Saturday at home and then give him a break on Sunday against the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, don't expect too much from Brandon Ingram when he comes back. It's going to help. And in the fourth quarter, having him and another guy that just can create their own shot is going to be huge. And the downstream effects of the roster, right, kind of moving one or two guys back into their more normal roles, I think is massively important. Let Trey come in with the reserves and be part of that first unit slash second unit and filter through guys a little bit more rather than asking some guys who aren't ready to be starters to be starters. That's a very big thing. Same when Najee Marshall comes back too, which it doesn't seem like is going to be this game. You just get guys into their more natural roles, the roles they've been preparing for, the roles they're better suited to do. That's huge for trying to win games. Those guys can punch above their weight only for so long, and it's not usually four quarters. But Brandon Ingram's talent is significantly better than that. This also gives New Orleans a little bit of an idea or a chance to evaluate the team before, you know, in 16 days, needing to make a move or not make a move. And we'll look at some trade targets coming up next. I want to look at Terry Rozier in the next comment, uh, in the next comment, in the next segment. Sadiq Bey, and then maybe an alternative to Sadiq Bey if Bey is not the type of guy that you want. So we'll look at some more underrated, smaller trades I think the Pelicans could make that could help improve the roster as well. But don't expect... You know, Brandon Ingram to come in and this team to look like the one seed that they were for a period of time or the two or the three seed. They're still going to struggle. He said, you know, he's going to be fresh, fresher than most people are at this point in the season. And that's a real big thing. But he's also going to be rusty. He's also not going to have all of his conditioning and cardio there. And I would not be surprised if New Orleans puts him on a small limp uh, on a not a small minutes restriction, some kind of minutes restriction. Maybe not like a 15 minutes per game, 20 minutes per game, probably maybe 30, something along those lines. Maybe. We'll see. So don't expect, you know, this is not like Gandalf on the dawn of the third day, the fifth day where they fix everything in the second. I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan. We should have asked T-Bob to come in and explain that one. Um, but this helps. But it's not like the savior. This is not the thing that's going to fix the four-game slide that the Pelicans are on right now, but this really, really does help, and the role that he's going to play can't be understated, so it's nice to see him back. I'm just not expecting it tonight, Tuesday, but I am hopeful that we'll see it Wednesday, 
If not, Saturday, it seems like, is going to be a lock. So let's look at trade targets coming up. Maybe the Pelicans need more. Maybe you want them to go all in on trying to win a title this year. We've looked at some big names. We'll have more big names coming up later in the week. I want to look at John Collins as well as that's a name that's come up a bunch recently. He's been on the trade block for a long time. But let's look at Terry Rozier and maybe another guy from the Charlotte Hornets coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited to tell you about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Their app is amazing. It looks fantastic. It's super simple to use. And new customers, you can join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. And you can sign up over at fanduel.com slash locked on. All your favorite bets from money lines to point spreads to player props player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Brandon Hingram back. You think he's going to go off, take more above over his points. All in our apps that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So, football fans, NBA fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and Locked On. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team in a way that no one else is completely free. And if you're a new listener, thanks for making Locked On Pelicans part of your day. We're here Monday through Friday, always kind of the same length. And if you've been with me for a while, I appreciate you tuning in. And if you want to help and grow the channel beyond just watching or listening, comment on YouTube or leave a five-star review or both. So let's switch gears. Let's look at trade targets. The last show I did kind of talking about trade stuff with the Pelicans was why they shouldn't make a move or maybe they shouldn't make a move. I, I'm, I could go either way on this and maybe in the lead up to the trade deadline in a week or so, I'll give you my like definitive take. But what if they want to get a little bit more help? And one thing we've seen is that CJ McCollum is not like a pure point guard. I wouldn't call him a floor general. I like him as an off goal, off guard uh, guy, off, I can't speak today. Off ball guard a little bit more. There we go. And maybe you need another ball handler. The Pelicans are kind of trying to go creation ball handling duties by committee. Zion does it. Bi does it. Cj does it. But maybe another guy, since none of them are like, you know, if you're a 100% ball handler. What about a guy like Terry Rozier? You look at the Charlotte Hornets and they're bad. 13 and 34, one of the worst teams in the NBA. And frankly, they should be outright tanking. They should be outright tanking because there's no way they're going to turn their season around. And you have a guy like Terry Rozier, who's done a really good job for him this season, particularly because you have LaMelo Ball, who's missed an absolute ton of time. He's only played 22 games. Well, Rozier then becomes maybe expendable. And this is a guy that this season is averaging 21 and a half points per game, the most in his career. Uh, No, that's not correct. I was wrong. 21.3, still the most in his career. He's giving you four rebounds, five assists, and he's taking eight threes per game, though not shooting it particularly well at 33%. But he does handle the ball. He does get downhill. He shoots threes. He can get to the line a little bit too. He does all of those things that would kind of fit New Orleans. So 
The Charlotte Hornets would trade him. I have no doubt about that. Should New Orleans be inquiring? And I like the idea of him in theory. And then you kind of start to try and envision the role for him. He'd be the fourth guy on this team. He seems to like being kind of the man right now over in Charlotte. Would he really kind of fit what they're doing here? He'd be the fourth guy, the fourth guy. And then you look at that and his contract's pretty big. $21.5 million this year, 23.2 the year after, 20, uh, $25 million in 2024-25, and then 26.6 in 25-26. You know, if you listen to that show Friday where I was talking about maybe they shouldn't make a trade, it has to do with the luxury tax and long-term concerns. You add a big money player and it pushes them deep into the tax. And as constructed right now, they're going to be like seven to nine million dollars in the luxury tax next season. Starts the clock ticking before potentially dismantling the team. That's why I may be saying they shouldn't go into that just yet because their window to win a title isn't fully open. So the question when it comes to Terry Rozier is this, Rozier. Would you be willing to lose a guy like Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, maybe even Dyson Daniels in the future because of trading for Terry Rozier this season? If you're like, yeah, I'm cool with it because I think Terry Rozier is going to help them win the title right now, okay, then he'd be a good guy to go after. But if you're thinking more long-term when you're adding that much long-term money, Terry Rozier is not maybe the guy to go after to be your, you know, to pay that kind of money for a fourth option. A guy that, while not superfluous for this team, isn't exactly what they need. Plays good defense, inconsistent three-point shooter, can handle the ball and create his own shot, undersized at 6'1", has one of the cooler nicknames in the league in Scary Terry. I'm just not willing to kind of accelerate like the doomsday clock on the Pelicans for him. You know, if you were looking at anyone on the Charlotte Hornets that I might be a little bit more interested in, it might be PJ Washington. If you want another big man that can give you a little bit more defense, there's there's issues there with him too. He can score, he can block shots and give you a little bit of rim protection, but he's very much undersized at 6'7". You know, he's played center, he's not a center. He's definitely a power forward, and even then he's undersized, and you have that a little bit already in Larry Nance Jr. He's also going to be a free agent after this year, so you're going to have to pay him too. He's making $5.8 million this season. Eh, you know, for a guy that, again, feels a little bit redundant, superfluous for what you have on the team, it's probably not the direction that I would go, though you could always let him walk if you need to, depending on what you're giving up. You know, he's been a starter basically his whole career. Would he accept a bench role with New Orleans? I'm not sure if he'd be thrilled about that. And given that he's going to be a restricted free agent, you know, you've got to factor that in too, is if he's going to be unhappy here and he accepts a big money deal to be a starter and then you match that to keep him, but he's going to be coming off the bench, that inflates your salary in a way that maybe I'm not comfortable with long-term. I am very much concerned about the salary cap and the luxury tax concerns when it comes to this Pelicans team and influencing the moves that they make at the NBA trade deadline. So not really big on Terry Rozier, though I like him. He's on my fantasy team, actually. Um, And PJ Washington makes sense, but I just don't think when you look at everything that those are the right and correct ways to go. I'd rather bring someone in that has like two more years on his contract, three more years if you count this year, something along those lines 
to, you know, build enough for the future, but not put you in a huge hole later down in the line. So that leads to maybe some smaller moves. Could you get a guy like Sadiq Bay from the Detroit Pistons? Or what about another alternative from the San Antonio Spurs that's not named Jakob Pertl and Doug McDermott? Let's look at both of them coming up here next in today's episode of Lockdown Pelicans, because I do think those, or at least one of those, could be a realistic option. So that's coming up here next in today's episode, more trade talk unlocked on pelicans and thank you for making locked on pelicans your first listen today and every day we're here monday through friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about this pelicans team 16 days away from the trade deadline what might they be doing and of course thank you for making locked on pelicans your first listen for your second listen go check out locked on saints ross jackson breaking down everything black and gold that you want to know can we please get the sean payton stuff resolved this week that would be ideal and we don't have to hear about it anymore and the saints can start planning for the future ross is breaking down any and all trade packages and what sean payton might do over at the locked on saints podcast make it your second listen so let's look at two more trade targets. These were actually, but one of these I already had in mind. One I did not, and was mentioned to me yet on Twitter, and I want to start there. Sadiq Bey of the Detroit Pistons. We've looked at Boyan Bogdanovich. Big money, though, from them. Fits a lot of what New Orleans needs. A guy that can create his own offense. You know, can shoot threes as well, which I think is going to be a really important thing. You know, what if you're looking to make some smaller moves? Would Sadiq Bey be a name that can do that? This is a guy that, this season is averaging 14.3 points per game. He's taking 5.43s, shooting at 33.5%, but he's a career better shooter than that. You know, gets to the line actually a good bit, gives you rebounds and enough defense. So, a couple of things. You know, he's entering his third year, so you got one more year on him on his rookie deal before needing to pay him. That lets you evaluate things a little bit more. You know, he's started and has come off the bench at different times in his career, though he played all all games last season, which is just a feat in and of itself. Started about half the Pistons games this year, started about three quarters of it his rookie year. So I don't hate the idea of Sadiq Bey, but when you watch him play, he leaves you underwhelmed at times. He has a couple of scoring explosions, but there's also a number of games where you're like, is he doing anything? You know, he's not an amazing three-point shooter at all. He is very inconsistent when it comes to that, shooting 33.5% this season. Last year, 34.6%. He's regressed in terms of his three-point shot every single year in in the three years that he's played. The defense, I think, is actually not amazing. I do think he rebounds okay. But if he's not going to give you defense and shooting, I'm not sure that that's the guy that the team needs. The the biggest check mark in his favor, I think, one is I believe in Villanova players, and I was really high on him coming into the NBA. I was really high on him coming into the draft. In the mock draft we did that year for Locked On, I had them, I picked him over Kyra Lewis Jr., even though they were picking Kyra Lewis Jr., and I said as much. You know, I was big on him, and hasn't quite lived up to it. He's, you know, played in the NBA like, the what was he draft 19th overall pick not good not bad just kind of exactly there that's useful 
I just don't know if that's like the type of player you really need. He does get downhill and he does get to the rim and he gets to the free throw line. I like that kind of guy. But you have that in Najee Marshall who can probably score a little bit better, maybe score a little bit better than Sadiq Bey can. The other issue is trying to trade for him is he's only making $3 million this year. It's really tough to try and do it with that kind of salary unless you're giving up like good picks because it just doesn't really work. When the salary is so low, it can be tough at times. You could do like Billy Hernan Gomez and a first round pick for Sadiq Bey. That doesn't really do it for me. If he shot better from three, I think you could really talk me into this. You know, and it leads to the idea of like, what do you want to upgrade? What are you really looking to do? Let's say they're all healthy. You know, do you need a Bogdanovich when you have CJ McCollum, Valanciunas, Zion Williamson, and Brandon Ingram? I'm not sure that you do. It's not a bad thing to have, but I'm not sure you need it. You know, Sadiq Bey is more of a role player. That makes a little bit more sense. But if you need just more three-point shooting, say you're looking at a guy like Devontae Graham, who is not shooting the three ball well at all, not scoring well at all. He is making plays in other areas, or at least did against Miami Heat. You know, if you're looking to upgrade those minutes, don't give up too much for a guy. Just go get a guy like Doug McDermott, right? That seems to make the most sense to me. Devontae Graham is shooting 32.9% from three. Doug McDermott, as an aging veteran, is 31 years old, won't cost you much. He's on salary that you could trade exactly for Devontae Graham, making a little bit more, but you stay under the luxury tax, but the trade works, you know, and his shooting is good. You need a dude to come in and make a couple of threes. Doug McDermott could be your guy. He's a career 41% shooter from three, shooting 41.1% this season, shot 42.2% last year. Looking at it, the worst he's ever shot in a season outside of his rookie year, let's ignore that one, is 37%. It's not really even close to that in any other years. There's multiple years, multiple years where he shoots above 40%, including one year where he almost got to 50%, 49% in very limited games and very limited minutes but still he comes off the bench you know that fits he'd be cheap you wouldn't have to give up much Devonte graham in a lottery protected first round pick if that maybe a bunch of second round picks i think could do it you want a guy that comes in and just makes the threes it's doug mcdermott you don't need to overthink this right if you're just looking to upgrade those minutes from a guy like Devontae Graham, I think that's it. And trading for a guy like Doug McDermott or even Sadiq Bey, trading for like a small forward and moving out of guard does one other thing, and that's opens up minutes maybe for a guy like Kyra Lewis Jr., and I don't know why he's not playing right now. You know, if you get rid of Devontae Graham, Devontae Graham can't get those minutes. And it's a different position than Doug McDermott, and maybe it gives a chance for a guy like Kyra Lewis Jr. to shine. So I'd be all in favor if they just want to make a smaller move and upgrade some of those end-of-bench minutes, even though Devontae Graham's not end-of-bench, yeah, bring Doug McDermott in, put him on the court, let him shoot some threes, put him out there with Zion B.I. at times as a court spacer because teams will respect that, or he's going to make those threes and burn them. That all works for me. That's the type of guy that I would go after if you're looking for a smaller move that doesn't really throw the entire salary cap like out the window and push you into the luxury tax or anything like that next year. Doug McDermott, you could really, really sell me on. I think that's a good idea. So enjoy the game tonight. More trade talk later in the week. We're going to look at John Collins. I want to look at Naz Reed as well. We'll look at all of those guys and more coming up later in the week in on Locked On Pelicans. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. 
And I'll be back with y'all tomorrow to recap the Denver game.